Welcome to Clear the Clutter. My name is Margaret, and this podcast is where I give you practical and spiritual advice to get your time back so you can finally spend it how you really want. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. So if you're listening to this episode live, this episode is coming out a little bit later in the week than normal because this week was my 13th year wedding anniversary. And I wanted to spend more time with my husband and do all these things. So I ended up inverting my week and kind of doing the things we would normally do during the week. And then obviously the podcast was recorded this weekend. So what we're going to dive into today is what has being married for 13 years taught me about love, growth, and patience. Now, don't worry or don't think that, oh, this episode won't apply to me if you're either not in a committed relationship, not in a long-term relationship, not married. It kind of doesn't matter. I am going to be teaching this entire episode and using the examples for this episode through the lens of my marriage, but there are four key principles that I'm going to be going over that you can use and you can take them to apply them to any relationship. You can apply it to your friends. You can apply it to your coworkers. You can eventually apply it to a significant other. So there's a lot of really good structure and uniformity and just kind of life core timeless lessons that I I learned through my marriage, but don't necessarily only apply to someone that's being. So with that being said, let me give you a little bit of background. If you're either new to this podcast or you kind of don't know my background a little bit, um, I have officially as of the 11th of 11, I have been married for 13 years. Now, Ben and I got married when I was 19 years old and he had just turned 20. We are high school sweethearts. We were dating in high school and, you know, went to homecoming together, went to prom together, uh, junior and senior year. So we did all these things together. We've gone to college together. You know, all of these things we have grown. And one thing that I I always like to kind of say, you know, spiced up our life a little bit was about seven-ish years ago, give or take, we started working together. So not only are we together, obviously, in our home life and in our marriage, but now we're taking this dynamic and we're working together. And when I mean working together, that doesn't mean we both go into the same building and then we part ways. We are physically hand in hand working together, working side by side, passing off customers to each other within 10 to 20 feet of each other at any given moment all day long at work. And then you go home together and then you're home all the time together. So this dynamic that, you know, working together plus being married has taught me has taken all these little tools and skills and helped us identify different problems that may or may not have become a thing later on. But because we learned the four key principles that I'll go over in today's episode, all of these possible problems or potential problems literally got nipped in the bud because we have this really strong foundation. And like I said, you can take this foundation and you can apply it to your friendships. You can apply it to coworkers. It doesn't matter the type of human interaction you want to apply it to. You can even apply it to like your kids. It just matters that, you know, like I said, you bear with me because I learned this I learned these principles by being married. So that's the lens I want to teach every through. Um, And the other part of it too is working together. We've been working together for, again, I said about seven years. Now, 
as you start working together, obviously, whenever you're at a new location or a new place or a new job, things are always a little bit weird. But you know, when you're working together, on top of it being married, you know, it's one of those things that you can't like go home and be like, wow, my coworker, he's such a dick because like, he is your coworker. So it, it's, you know, every once in a blue moon, we'll tease each other and be like, yo, my coworker is blah. But obviously, we're joking. But you have to learn how to communicate very clearly. You have to be able to do um, basically the four pillars. So the four pillars are going to be strong communication, strong, clear communication, making space for really deep conversation, um, going and being able to have, again, deep and clear conversations about where you're not feeling supported, and then being willing to change something that isn't working. Now, again, these principles, let's Let's kind of dive into step one because these principles, they are timeless principles. And one of the things I attribute to my success of being married for so, this long, especially during a time in our lives when you would have figured, you know, you would have the most change. So obviously when you're in high school, you're you're in high school, you're figuring out all these things. You have all these hormones rushing through you. Everything is of course new, fun and exciting. So we went through that together. Um, you know, side tangent, I'll let you guys know, we've actually known each other since we we were in fifth grade. Uh, he had a crush on me. He took me to the fifth grade dance. I did not have a crush on him, unfortunately. Otherwise, we would have been like elementary school sweethearts. Um, but uh, we actually ended up starting to date in high school. So we've known each other and we, you know, lived a couple of miles from each other at most majority of our lives. So when you grow up together, obviously you have that shared relationship and shared history. And obviously in high school, you have the fact that everything is new and shiny. You have that experience in college. You have the experience of, you know, you're now an adult and you're deciding a bunch of different things on your own that you never had the opportunity to decide before. So we've gone through all of these milestones and then on top of it working together um, we've gone through all of these milestones that it's very easy especially when you get married as young as I did it, it is very easy I shouldn't even say that in general, it is very easy in a marriage to grow apart because you just either stop doing things together or you stop communicating. And same thing can be in a friendship. You know, take, if marriage doesn't resonate with you, take out marriage and insert relationship X here, right? But it's very easy over time to go ahead and grow apart. And these four pillars for me feel like the easiest way that I can keep all of my relationships strong. Now, over time, what I've been doing is I've been making sure to take these, you know, pillars and apply them to other relationships. So I've been getting a lot better at applying them to my fan, my friends. Um, I've been getting better at replying them to other parts of my family. So, you know, even my customers, which may sound cheesy, but you know, bear with me, right? So taking these these tools, these pillars, these timeless principles, and you can use them in whatever relationship you want. So let's dive into pillar number one, strong, clear communication. So when I say strong, clear communication, again, using the lens of marriage, that means no passive aggressive side marks, no passive aggressive this, no mumbling under your breath. You know, we, we have the rule, you literally have to say something nice and honest or nothing at all. And sometimes you don't have anything nice to say, which again, it's okay. But as long as you're honest, you either say that or you say nothing. Um, and we're very, very 
clear on the things that we want and the things that, you know, may be a non-negotiable for us. And then there's this huge, huge gray area on things where we're willing to bend. So again, you can use that in a friendship. You can use that with your customers. You can use it with your your kids. You know, being able to be clear on how you communicate is going to be such a strong tool that you can have. And now, mind you, you hear me, you hear the podcast. Obviously, there's times where I stutter. There's times where I can't think of, you know, the word I want to use. So it's not like I'm this perfect human that, you know, is a a walking, talking dictionary and never has a, a thought process out of sync. You know, again, I'm human. So what that means is when I'm using strong, clear communication, let's say, okay, I'll give you a really good example. There has been a rowing machine that it's called the Ergata. It's this beautiful water rowing machine machine. But the reason why I want it, I've been wanting it for like six months now, right? But the reason why I want it is because part of the platform has this, uh, what is it, the software basically, and it's all about competition. I've boxed in the past. I was boxing uh, on and off while I was recording the earlier episodes of this podcast. I've run races before, like 5Ks, 10Ks, so on. Um, I've done mountain biking before. I've done a bunch of very aggressive things. Um, and I've noticed as I wasn't, as I've been an adult, that I've had a very hard time sticking to an exercise routine, excluding boxing. I actually had to give up boxing for other personal reasons. But I've had a very hard time sticking with a routine because I was missing the competition factor. Um, I, I missed being able to beat an old PR. I missed being able to take what I was doing and put myself up against someone else and see like, okay, where do I stand? If we had to race, if we had to go head head, you know, could I come out on top? I, I have this adrenaline rush about being competitive that I love. So when I was using strong, clear communications, I, I finally was able to to understand, you know, why can't I just do the exercise DVD that I've bought and I have, I don't know, maybe 10 of at this point. Why can't I just do all these other little things that I have bought in the past? And I was like, well, clearly once I recognized it, I'm missing the gamification gamification part of it, or I'm missing the competition part of it. So when I found that this tool let me do both, and obviously it has no impact on my joints, which is really important to me. Um, It's really, really good weight bearing issues, blah, 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 has all these other benefits, right? It works so many other muscles in your body so that you come out a lot more balanced, which is something that I've learned that working on the farm over the summer and we were planting trees, I was like, oh, this should be easy because I'm boxing three times a week. Well, yes, there were parts of it that were easy, but it was also fascinating to me that it didn't matter that I could box for an hour straight and feel like I was going to keel over at the end, you know. And when I say box, that means doing drills in an unair conditioned 100 plus degree room because again, it's Florida, so it's hot as fuck outside. So, you know, I, I, I figure I'm in really good shape. I can box, I can do all these things. But when I was trying to do functional things around the farm, I could see and I could feel the areas of my muscles that had like barely any muscle tone. And I was getting my muscle tone from doing the farm, not the boxing. So I, I did all this research and I, I figured out the things 
things that were really important to me in wanting a piece of exercise equipment. And so Ben was like, okay, cool, not a problem. You want that exercise equipment? And we've always had this rule. So it's not like he was picking. He's like, you need to figure out how to earn the money. And the rule in our household has been, especially when it's something that you personally want, not something that's gonna benefit the household as a whole. But when it's something you personally want, we've always challenged each other um, as a growth tool to say like, okay, well, if you want it, how bad do you actually want it? Are you willing to work for it? Are you willing to save for it? Are you willing to do a side job or a hustle or do all of these things? so that you can go ahead and save up all the money and then pay for it all you know quote unquote in cash at one time um we've never really been a fan of putting things on credit cards that were luxury items that obviously that we didn't just have the money sitting there we were trying to get the points right so like instead of him saying oh yeah go ahead and buy whatever do whatever you want he's challenged me and he's had his version of strong clear communication of okay well you want this exercise piece of equipment it's you know, X amount of dollars, let's go ahead and have you save for it, or you can side hustle, or you can do however you want, but you have to figure out how to earn the money. Um, And that may sound cheesy, but you have to understand, let's go and break that down, right? I was able to articulate, again, with my <laughs> stutters and my uh, not perfect word choice, but I was able to communicate, I want a piece of equipment. I would like to have a piece of equipment that I can use at home and I could go ahead and work out on it in the safety and the comfort of my own home, literally 24 seven, obviously whenever I'm home, um, that is not tied to the farm, not tied to the palm trees. And the reason why I want this specific tool is because it meets these two needs. So it meets the need of me being very competitive and it meets the need of me wanting gamification. And technically it meets the need of developing well-rounded muscles, which has been a lot more clear and important to me than I would have thought in the past. So I was able to say, hey, Bubby, I want X and here's Y, A, B, C, D, E. And then again, he was able to use his strong, clear communication and saying, okay, cool. I see that you want this. I understand where you're coming from. I I appreciate the explanation as to why you want it. My, you know, whatever you want to call it, my uh, request would be that you go ahead and figure out how to earn the money outside of your day job. I want to push you just like, again, he pushes me or I push him. He wants to push me to say, okay, go ahead and build a website for someone. Go ahead and sell something for someone. Go ahead and flip something. Go ahead and do this. Go ahead and do that. You know, use your your hustle muscle <laughs> and earn the thing that you want. He never said, no, don't get it. He never said, I don't understand why you want it. He never said, oh, I think that's dumb and you're going to use it for six months, then move on. His only caveat or requirement was okay go ahead and earn the money so what we have done there in a very cheesy simple example is have demon bark in the background (laughs) so outside of demon barking in the background using this what sounds like a very cheesy example has let both of us communicate uh, at least on my side, it's let me communicate a need, which is the piece of, of wanting to be able to work out at home. It's let me communicate the why of the need and how that is important. Again, gamification, yada, yada, yada. And then what it has let him do is say, okay, I hear you. I recognize you. I understand you. I'm on the same page with you. But my need is that I challenge you to go ahead and side hustle the money. So both of our needs are getting met. Both of each, well, both parties are being heard. Both parties are being understood. And both parties, 
are communicating. This episode is just going to be filled with dogs, apparently. I'm not going to even bother to try and re-record this. Anywho, um, let me just make sure to take Holly squeaky away. Anywho, so clear, strong communication is a key to getting your needs met. And also, over time, the communication has become clearer and stronger. I don't know, six, seven years ago, I would not have been able to say, hey, babe, I feel that I need an alternative way to work out at home that I could do at 10 o'clock at night or four o'clock in the morning, even though I, I for love of God, hope I never work out at four o'clock in the morning, but I would never have been able to articulate so clearly my need and why I have this need and what it fulfills and what I feel is lacking in my life. Part of that has come from working together because when you are working together and your husband is your coworker, you can't just use vague statements. You can't just clap back at them. You can't make a side comment or a passive aggressive remark because not only obviously is that bad for coworker between coworker, but this is also the most important person in your life and you would never dream of treating them that way. So you learn all these really good communication skills. Um, you know, there are times where we'll use the phrase of I feel or I believe or that is not ultimately true. You know, a lot of the phrases that I use in the podcast we use at home, collapsing time, uh, becoming our own bank, you know, the side hustle. Um, this is what I want. This is what I deserve. This is what I'm willing for to do. This is a non-negotiable. I am no longer available. All of these different phrases, we use them at home so that we can articulate to the other person, not only if it's just obviously between the two of us, but even to customers, we need to be able to articulate, this is where I stand. These are my needs. How can we meet in the middle? And then what that ends up doing is if you do this right, it leads into pillar number two, which is making space for deeper conversations. So obviously, again, because Ben and I are like together joined at the hip basically 24 seven, which again, I love, but because we do that, it would be very easy to, again, like I said, get passive aggressive or only talk about surfacey level shit. And what we do is we'll, we'll go on Mondays and we'll run errands and we'll drive around. We'll go drive two hours to go look at a trailer. We'll go drive three hours to go buy palm tree stuff. Like we'll do these big trips together majority of the time. And what we'll do is we, we try, whether it has been conscious or unconscious, now it's conscious at this point, but what started out as an unconscious habit turned into a conscious one of using these really big road trips to have these deep, uninterrupted conversations because it is so easy, especially when you're together 24 seven, to stay very surfacy, to talk about what's gonna be for dinner, to talk about the fur babies, to talk about paying the bills, to talk about, you know, little light fluffy stuff and never kind of get into what your actual needs are. So if I, you know, I brought it up, um, last week I went out to go visit one of my girlfriends in North Carolina and I stayed with her and her husband and I noticed and I was slightly envious of how affectionate they were and I was like damn these bitches are like you know hugging and kissing and holding hands 24 7 and they don't work together and I I was again I was envious but I was also fascinated and I was like okay well one of the things that I, I think has been somewhat of a negative of working together is because we do work together and because we are with each other 24 7 um we have learned because of work to not be very 
physically affectionate. So we don't really think about holding hands or we really don't think about giving each other a kiss or any of that stuff. Because when you're at work, you would literally subconsciously do that. I remember the first time I uh, called Ben Babe um, in front of a, a rep. So he was a, a rep for one of the manufacturers. I was doing my job. I was clicking on this, clicking on that. And I was like, hey, babe, can you go ahead and do X, Y, and Z for me? And the way I said it wasn't like, hey, boo, hey, honey, like, hey, uh, to a coworker. It was a very romantic, hey, babe. And my reps, like his eyes about popped out of his head because he's like, oh my God, these two are having an affair. Holy fuck. Because clearly he could tell that we're married, but he didn't know we were married to each other. And I was like, no, Oz, it's okay. We're married to each other. And he's like, oh my God, that was so awkward. So because of being together at a job 24 seven, where you can't be affectionate, you can't have that unconscious, like kiss goodbye or honey, or, you know, all of these little phrases that you would do, we've let that kind of bleed over into our personal life where yes, we're still affectionate, but we're not maybe as affectionate as as we would have been had we not worked together. So when I saw my girlfriend and her husband doing this and I was like, holy shit, this is something that you know, maybe I don't want to be that level affectionate. Um, but maybe it, you know, there was a reason why I was envious. There was a reason why I was like, damn, why are they having that? And I don't. So when I came home, I communicated again, used the clear communication. I was like, babe, I love you. I appreciate you. We do everything together. I wouldn't trade any of this for the world, but I wonder if we have set up a little bit of a bad habit of when we're on our personal time, when we're together in our own private life, that we're not as physically affectionate. I don't go and hold your hand. Uh, we don't give each other kisses goodbye. Little, little itty bitty things like that, that, you know, you wouldn't think of, but it, again, all of this are little problems that you can nip at the butt in the bud so that they never become a big problem. They never become a thing. And I told them I would like to try whether it's, it's, you know, cheesy or not. And he just started laughing at me afterwards. But I was like, I would like to try to be more physically affectionate when we're on our time. So I'm going to hold your hand. He was driving me home from the airport. He's driving me home from Orlando. And I'm holding his hand while he's driving. He's like, this is weird. And I'm like, I know, you're going to like it. And he's just laughing because, you know, we had gotten to this random awkwardness of, you know, we'll be together 24-7. We'll have these amazing, beautiful conversations. But we forgot that like, oh, you should probably hold your spouse's hand. So if I didn't have not only the clear communication skills of being able to say the need that I have, communicate why I have this need, and then have him be able to communicate like, okay, we can do this. This is going to be a little awkward. You know, I don't know that I want to be that affectionate. I love you, but like, I don't need to be on, you know, like all up in your biz every 24 seconds. But you know, we were both able to communicate both of our needs, and we're also both able to get our needs met. But it was a lot easier to do because we had that, you know, hour plus or whatever drive home. You know, if we had been trying to have that type of a conversation and squeeze it in within 10 minutes here or 10 minutes there, you lose some of this beautiful richness and complexness of the conversation. And sometimes it is just the fact of letting the other person think or ramble or, you know, kind of pull on a thread and then you both can pull on this thread together or just feel, you know, the need to vent, whatever the scenario is, it's not always realistic and it's not honestly healthy to only do that in these little itty bitty pockets of time. And it's so easy because I do this with my girlfriends, but this is why I made it a point to fly up to North Carolina to see my bestie that, that I've known since I was a kid. You know, 
I spent four days with her and her husband, or basically just shy of four days of her with her and her husband. And Jen and I were able to have four hour conversations here, six hour conversations there. The first night I landed, we stayed up until three o'clock in the morning and we basically fell asleep chit chatting. So we, you know, maybe we can't do that 24 seven because we don't live in the same state anymore, but we figured out how to make room for those deep conversations. So that way when I'm home and she's home and whatever, yes, of course, we're gonna text back and forth, but the other person knows at a deeper level what's going on with you, what's important to you, why it's important, and, and you have something that you can actually springboard off. So again, you can do the same thing with your kids. You can do the same thing with uh, your coworkers. Obviously, maybe you don't wanna have like a two hour long conversation with your coworker, but maybe it makes sense to have have a 30 minute conversation with your coworker, or maybe it does make sense to you know have the bunches of you go out for I don't know what's COVID approved nowadays like go out for Applebee's or do, do whatever right you know maybe it makes sense for your customers again obviously you might not want to have a two hour long conversation with your customer depending on your business but maybe that means the version of deep conversation for a customer could be having a conversation looking them in the eye and focusing only on them focusing on that person that is not only helping pay for your livelihood, but is trusting you with their money and is trying to have you fulfill a need for them and all of these things. So like I do this all the time when I'm at work, whenever I am with a customer, I do my damnedest to make sure that I focus solely on them and that they are my center of my world. And it may sound cheesy, but like I I like give them full on eye contact. If the phone is ringing, I ignore the phone. If another person asks me a question, I'll say, hold on one moment I'm with a customer like I do everything in my power to make sure that I am focusing on that customer and I give them the attention that they deserve in that moment so that is my variation of like a deep conversation but that applies everywhere having these connections and strengthening this connection really does help you in the long run. and it helps you in the long run so that pillar number three doesn't ever really become a thing. So pillar number three is a combination of basically one and two. It's being clear where you are feeling supported and not feeling supported. So obviously developing very strong communication skills, being able to use the word, the words or the terms or the phrases, I feel, I need, I want, I desire, I'm envious, all of these things to be able to communicate what you're wanting. And again, you have the area and you have the room for a a deep conversation, whatever that timeline looks like. You know, while you're doing this, it's really good, whether it's in the little itty bitty pockets of time or whether it's in these really big pockets of time, that you learn how to communicate throughout all of this, the areas that you feel you're being supported and then the areas you feel like you're not being supported. So where I was telling Ben that, and it doesn't have to be about the other person. Let me... I had that little light bulb go off. So I don't know who I'm saying this for. You can say to your spouse, to your your friend, to your coworker, to your boss, to your customer, you can say this to whoever, right? If there's an area that you feel like you're not being supported, there is a way to deliver it without coming across as evil, bitchy, and judge. There is a way to communicate that, you know, you're looking to have them help you solve this problem versus you never listens to me. And I don't know why I stuttered with the listens, but (laughs) you never listen to me. You never, you don't, you always. Those are very accusatory words. And I am so not a fan of using accusatory language because it's not inviting a conversation. It's not inviting two parties to go ahead and solve a problem. All it's doing is verbally and like emotionally pushing the other person away and trying to make them 100% 
make it 100% their fault. And as bad as it sounds and as fucked up as it can sound, I don't care what the situation is. 10% of it, I don't know. I don't want to put myself in a box, but like you always play a part in whatever is going on, whether it's because you chose to be there or circumstances dictated that you're there or you're required to be there or, or whatever the fucked up scenario is, good, bad, or indifferent. You are always going to be playing a part in this. So even when you're dealing with something hostile or a very touchy subject, I would rather have you use language that invites a conversation, invites problem solving, invites a solution, and is not very charged and aggressive versus Versus you never, you don't, you always, I can't believe, how dare you, all these horrible words, right? Just even saying them, like, I feel like I'm shutting down and I don't talk like that. Ben does not talk like that. We never, we, we made it a very big promise in our marriage early on because we had seen bad habits from other people and they would they would get into these fights because again you know everyone gets into a fight you're a fucking human you always will get into a fight but it's a matter of how you deal with the fight and you move on well we had seen other people and we were starting to model where we would get into these fights and then we never used the divorce word but like this underlying fear started to um emerge because basically what we were doing is we were like threatening each other you need to you better you should why don't you all these horrible things instead of saying i want you to i need you to i'm desperate to have you do x i would love it if you could do y i'm really craving z you know instead of you know, you're, you're trying to communicate the same thing, but it's how you're actually communicating it. So very early on in our marriage, we recognized that this was a bad habit we were starting. And so we made a rule that we will never have a, a conversation ever, doesn't matter what's going on, that the other person is threatening the other person. So Ben will never threaten to do X, Y, and Z to me. I, in turn, will never to do or threaten to do X, Y, and Z to him. So same thing when you're talking to someone. Again, pull out the marriage lens, put in your own lens here. You know, don't threaten someone. And it, because it's just, it doesn't get you anywhere. I was gonna say like, unless it's warranted. No, 99.99999% of the time, a threat is not warranted. You should either do or you shouldn't do. I, I know I'm probably fucking up like a Yoda phrase or whatever, right? But like, if you have gotten to the point where you are reducing the scenario to a threat, clearly you've lost control of the situation. Clearly your needs are not going to be met. Clearly you are already assuming and trying to live out the reality that the other person cannot meet. So at that point, my argument would be, why even threat? Why not just take action and move on? So and this has nothing to do with marriage, but hear me out, right? So say you have a super shitty boss and your boss is doing X, Y, and Z and being all sorts of shade and all sorts of shitty and all of that, right? Instead of threatening, oh, you better treat me right or I'm going to quit. Like, why the fuck are you threatening? Just either find a better job, go to HR if that's an option, figure out how to solve the problem or fucking quit and move on. Because... This threat is also, whenever you're threatening, basically what you're signaling, um, and again, I read a bajillion psychology books in my younger 20s, but like when you're threatening, what you are signaling without recognizing it is, hey, I need to feel needed. I need to feel love. I need to feel valued. I need to feel safe. I need to feel secure. I need to feel wanted. And you're not doing that for me. So I'm going to trick you into tricking me that I am wanted, which is so bad and so fucked up because at the end of the day you know you're tricking everyone and everyone is tricking everyone into feeling wanted needed loved and valued 
but it's a fragile thing. So you're like, well, if I don't threaten, and again, you may not be conscious of this, but like you might be thinking, if I don't threaten X, then they don't do Y. And oh God, well, I guess I'm going to have to threaten. And so you threaten and you'll get the result that you want. And then you're like, fuck, I have to threaten X every single time to get Y. When in reality, I would rather have you communicate. And if that makes, you know, if that means that you have to communicate like, hey, babe, I don't feel supported in blah. And it can be, again, the dumbest thing. So I don't want to say dumb. It it could be trivial. It could be huge. Doesn't matter, right? It's still relative. So I did, I don't want to say a lot of cooking, but I did the meat majority and I'm using air quotes here I did the majority of the cooking in the first 10 years of our marriage and I was so burnt out on cooking I've never liked it to begin with I am so one of those people that it you know outside of like the the meal delivery kits that you get to your home I'm not a fan of those per se but if I could pay like a legit chef or cook or something to come to the house three times a week, make a couple of meals, batch them up, put them in my Pyrex and shove them in my fridge. I would, I would pay it. I would love it. I'd be ecstatic. I I desire to have a personal chef come to the house three times a week in the future. Like I'm just not down for cooking. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. I don't find it as an outlive. I don't find it as a creative reprieve. Now, Cleaning, on the other hand, I can get some down with some cleaning. Like, I love me a good cleaning session. This morning, I got up really early with the dogs, and my father-in-law was coming to the house, and so he was going to stay with us for the weekend to hang out and work a car with Ben. So I was like, okay, obviously I need to clean his bedroom and the bathroom and so I went and I got that done and I still had like 25 minutes before I really needed to start getting ready and I was like well screw it let me organize and rejush I call it zhushing because that's just the word and the vibe of the moment but let me rejush everything because our bathroom drawers and our bathroom cabinet was feeling very messy very cluttered I had noticed I was starting to buy some duplicate stuff and I'm like "Uh -uh, that is not me I do not buy duplicate shit unless it's intentional not because I'm putting stuff in random places. So I spent like 25 minutes this morning organizing and rejushing and putting things in different bins and putting other things in different bins and putting things in different shelves. But I reorganized our bathroom cabinets and our cabinetry or closet and not closets. Yeah, cabinet. I reorganized all of our bathroom cabinets and I was so happy to do it. I loved it. And then I was like, okay, cool. It's time for me to start getting ready. I got ready. I I felt like I started the day with a pep in my step. So it wasn't the fact that like, I just didn't want to do something. I just was, I, I am, I continuously am not down for cooking. It's just not my vibe. Ben, on the other hand, is a fucking badass cook. I love his cooking. It's so good. It's so imaginative. He gets so creative with like the most randomest shit because we've done this sometimes where we'll both have the same sets of ingredients and I'll cook something and it's like meh. And then he'll cook something and I'm like, how the fuck did you use the same ingredients? What did you do differently? So he loves to cook. So what I said when we moved to Okeechobee was that that I was just not down for cooking anymore. I was so burnt out on it that I just didn't even want to try. I didn't care. And I was telling him, I'm like, you know, I would love it if you could start doing more cooking in the household because you're clearly good at it. You truly do seem to enjoy it. We both love eating your cooking versus my cooking that has no passion, love, or apparently spice to it. So I would rather have you help me with that than do other things because I just... 
I'm not in it to win it anymore. I was not feeling supported. So I was clear on what I wanted him to do and how he could help support me and help support the household and all of those things. And in the process of that, Again, does that mean Ben cooks every single day? No, but he cooks majority of the time. And for that, I am deeply grateful. Again, clear communications. I'm telling him the things I'm deeply grateful for. But he's been able to be creative in an area that we didn't think he would be creative in. We ended up buying a smoker and he smokes all sorts of things and cooks amazing things. For our anniversary when... um, I think it was, what was it? Thursday. Yeah. So for our anniversary on Thursday, instead of going out to a restaurant, the one thing I wanted from him was to have him cook steaks on the smoker. I was so excited to have that. That lit me up like a Christmas tree. I was so grateful. And so you can take something that might sound cheesy. And again, this was a conversation that happened three years ago at this point of, hey, I'd love to have you cook more because X, Y, and Z. And now it's got to be something to where it feels like a treat and I look forward to it and I deeply, deeply love it. So feeling supported is something that you can manipulate in a good way over time. And then also what it does is it lets you start to build these deeper bonds. And so another, okay, so another example of being supported, right? I was talking with Jen when I was in North Carolina um, and I was telling her that, yeah, you know, I really do love doing things with you. I really do love coming to see you guys. Um, You know, I don't want any of that to change. Obviously, when you guys are able, I'd love to have you come down to the farm and do all the stuff with us. But what I'd really like more is to not have so many surfacey conversations. So maybe that means once a quarter or whatever, you know, once a random, we need to sit down and we need to talk about X, Y, and Z conversations because we only seem to do that in person and waiting for two years to have this in-person conversation isn't good enough anymore. I feel like a part of our friendship is missing when we're not having these conversations. So I was telling her again, an area that I would love to be more supported in. I told her an area I wanted to connect deeper with her because again she's been my friend since I was a child I love Jen deep I love the friendship that we've had over these two decades at this point and I love that we have all of these memories one of my most happiest memories with her is when I went to North Carolina two years ago so before the pandemic and you know we, we were hanging out and it was things were a little tense and a little weird and it kept feeling like we were trying to click when we weren't clicking and so we went to this we went she took me to she took me to Duke yeah Duke University she gave me a tour which I about keeled over with joy it was gorgeous I loved every moment of it because um, she used to work there and so after that we went to this um, little college drink station um, and they served boba tea which I have never had before which if you don't know what that is it is like um it's like a I don't know like an ice latte without the ice but it's a, a coffee based drink sometimes and then they put these little tapioca pearls in them and then it's just this gummy like kind of chewyish thing in your drink and I fucking loved it so we went to this boba house we're drinking boba tea and she's like hey why don't we play a game and I'm like okay cool so we start started playing I don't even remember the game at this point but basically you had a word at the top and you had five words or whatever at the bottom that used to describe the word at the top and you could you had to get the other person to say the word without giving away what it was in those five other little categories and we started playing this game and we played it for like three hours until the place closed and after that you know it was so cool because at first we're like okay again I 
I'm not going to stop the podcast to Google what it is, but we're playing the game and we're like, okay, you know, you have this little timer. And so we would do the one card and, you know, I had to get Jen to say butterfly. And instead of having her say butterfly, I couldn't use A, B, C, D. And so I was like, you know, and I brought up something from our childhood that we hadn't talked about in years. And I was like, what is Sadie's favorite thing? And she's like, bang, bang, butterfly. And I'm like, yes. And so we were going back and forth and playing this game. And, you know, in the beginning of playing the game, we were trying to do like one pass per like um, little, uh, the little sand timer, the like the itty bitty ones. And that was clearly super boring. So we're like, okay, let's see how many we can do in one little sand pass. And so we started playing this game like stupid rapid fire going as fast as we could and we played for hours and I love it and I cherish that memory and you know it was something where she was wanting to connect I was wanting to connect and I told her I'm like you know I want to figure out how we can do that again but obviously a little more virtually because again maybe that means we play that game virtually and I didn't even think about that um that's a really good idea I should text it to her after this but I want to have a friendship with her that continues to grow that she feels she can always talk to me about everything even though I know she can and she knows I feel the same way you still have to build that connection you still have to fertilize the tree if we're going to throw in a tree metaphor so that your relationship is really strong and then when you feel and you can see and you can emotionally physically spiritually whatever when you can tell that your relationship is super strong and supported you've done the three other pillars or the three pillars basically that leads to pillar number four and pillar number four is being being willing to change when something isn't now it might sound a little weird because my biggest advice when anyone is ever getting and I tell them the secret to my marriage is that I did not expect to change Ben in any manner. I was okay marrying, obviously, like I knew this before we got married, but like, so I have this, I have this thing that I told a handful of my friends and they thought I was crazy, but we were, what was it? I was 16 because he's a couple months older. So I was 16. He had just turned 17 when we started dating in high school and we were dating out of three or four months. And I told my friends, I'm like, I'm going to marry this guy. And they're like, Maggie, you're fucking crazy. How do you know this? Blah, 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 blah. A lot can happen. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to marry this guy. I am so in love with him and so obsessed with him that mark my words. And damn if I didn't marry him. And I love him to pieces and I wouldn't change a moment of it. But one thing that I always tell everyone is if you are going to get married, the biggest thing I want you to be comfortable with is you need to pretend that person is a little capsule in time and all of their quirks, the good, the bad, and the ugly is not going to change until the day they die. If you are not okay with who they are on every level and them being that person until the day they die, you should not get married. You're not going to be a good long-term fit. And now that's different than being willing to change and work on something. I have this very deep belief that we have these core principles that are who we are. I'm always going to be competitive, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's, I don't know, weed whack in the yard and trying to be like, okay, well, can I weed whack the front yard in under an hour this time? It doesn't matter. That is a part of who I am. That part of that core principle of me will never change. The desire to grow will never change. The desire to learn will never change. The desire to embrace other cultures and learn about other people's belief systems and structures and how they live their life. That is never going to change. The the 
outpouring of love that I have that, you know, goes into all my fur babies and into my family and into my husband and into my friends, that's going to never change. So these core principles of me will never change and they will always be the same. But that doesn't mean like all the surfacey level shit can't change, can't be manipulated, can't, you know, grow or be modified. So it's this, this dichotomy, I guess I would call it in my head of, yes, you are who you are from the moment you were born. From the moment I was born, I was competitive. From the moment I was born, I had this deep desire of love and to be loved and to share love. From the moment I was born, I knew that I was going to be a mommy and I was a, a mommy to my first rescue kitty at the age of 12. And I've called myself a mom since I was 12. So like, I, I know who I was again from the beginning, but That doesn't mean that I can't maybe learn to cook one day. Well, I shouldn't say that. Learn to enjoy cooking one day. Maybe that doesn't mean that I can't learn to do X, Y, and Z one day. So it's not a matter of changing the principles of who you are. It's a matter of being willing to maybe bend or maybe change some of the fluffier shit of who you are. Because as you grow, as you age, as you evolve, as your friendship evolves, your coworkership revolves, your customer evolves, your marriage or long-term relationship evolves, it's always going to evolve. It's always going to change. You're going to want that to be part of the relationship because that's how it stays fresh and that's how it stays healthy. If it's the same stagnant, boring as relationship, especially in a marriage, that shit's going to fail and that shit's going to fail fast and it's going to fail hard and it's going to fail ugly. Like, ugly, ugly. So you want it to change. You want it to grow. You want it to have fresh oxygen and life and vitality. And part of that is being willing to change when something isn't working. So um, a very, very, very long time ago, there's always a stereotype that the husband, I'm sorry, the husband, yeah, is taking their clothes and they throw it on the floor and magically they can't seem to put their socks in there, right? Well, I've done that. Ben's done that. We've always done that in some, I don't know. I used to not be really, really good at putting stuff away. I would leave shit out everywhere. And it wasn't intentional. It was always, well, I'll go back at the end of the night and clean it all up. And it would drive him freaking bonkers. And he'd be like, babe, I love you. You're not a messy person. Why are you leaving all this shit out? Why are you leaving everything half finished? Because in his eyes, in his belief, when you do something, you do it from literally A to Z. So if you are going to cook dinner, you're not only, which preferably I am not because we want something edible and tasty and delicious. (laughs) But like if someone is going to cook dinner, that's hopefully not me. You know, they go through and they cook the meal. They you know, most of the time we end up plating the plate for each other just as a sign of love and affection. And then we'll take all the food and we'll put it in the Tupperware. We'll put it in my Pyrex. We'll put it in the fridge. We'll take all the dishes. We'll put it in the sink. We'll wipe down the counters. Like that for us is an A to Z process. Um, going in paying bills. I pay all of our bills at one time during the week. If we're cleaning the house, we'll clean the house from top to bottom. Like, If, I don't know, I'm making stuff up in the morning when I'm getting ready and I'm, you know, putting my clothes on, putting my makeup on, brushing my teeth, all that crap, right? I'll do all of that. And then I take all my stuff and I put it away. I put my makeup back in my makeup bag. I take my makeup bag. I put it back in my uh, bathroom closet. I make sure my counter is clean and, you know, doesn't have anything on it before I leave the bathroom. I make sure because of his advice and because of the things where he wanted to be supported and it was something I was so willing to change. 
but I made sure to follow through on as many things as I possibly can. Am I perfect at it? No. Am I always willing to get better at it? Yes. There's been some things where I've been a little flaky and I've forgotten some things in regards to the palm tree farm. And I was like, okay, well, clearly the tools I was using in the past are not working. So let me try a different tool. So now I started putting things as a Google Calendar appointment to be like, okay, call John Smith about fertilizer. Call blah, blah, blah about blank. So then that way I could truly follow through because it was something I was willing to change. You know, being someone that doesn't follow through or follow through is not a part of my core principles. It's not a part of my belief system. But I recognized that it was something that Ben needed. It was something I wanted to be. I want to be the person that everyone thinks of when they're like, hey, who follows through on their shit? I want them to think Maggie. Oh, when someone thinks about who's a really good cook, I want them to think Ben. When someone thinks about X, Y, and Z, I want them to think of me or I want them to think of Ben. So being willing to bend is not a bad thing. It is part of it is making sure that you're communicating why you want them to bend or why they want you to bend. That's really, really important because if you don't have the communication very, very clear, then it's easy to resent the other person. So it could have been very easy for Ben to resent taking over the cooking after the last decade of me crappily cooking. You know, he could have been like, well, she blah, 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 blah. And in reality, I made it very clear so that he understood I wasn't schlepping stuff on him. I made it, I made it clear so that he could go ahead and go like, oh, okay, well, this is why she's, this is what she needs. Cool. Let me go ahead and help accommodate her. Let me go ahead and bend. And same thing for him about putting stuff away and following through on them. He's been very good, very patient, very clear as to why that's and how that could support him. And so what I've been doing on my side is I've been trying to use different tools or resources so that I can make it easier on myself to go ahead and meet his needs. I don't believe that bending is wrong. I do not believe that bending is bad. I definitely don't believe that meeting either in the middle or somewhere in the middle is wrong or bad, I think all of us should maybe do that a little bit more, but you need to have the why behind it because if you don't, then again, that's where the resentment comes in. That's where things get messy and that's where things can kind of spiral. So I have been almost talking about my marriage, which is saying something for about an hour. So let's go ahead and kind of wrap this up a little bit. If you have any questions in regards to marriage, I know I really don't talk about this stuff. I would, I used to in a very long previous life, I wrote a book called I Do Now What. It's totally due for an update. I was actually even talking to Ben about creating a course on all of the lessons that we've learned in the milestone moments of being married. So year one, you have a milestone moment. Year three, you go through a milestone moment. Year five, you go through one. Year seven, you go through one. Year 10, you go through one. And then probably about 15, we'll go through another one. And so I talked to him about maybe creating a course on this, um, which we'll do at some point in the future. Um, But I'd love to see your feedback if that's something you're interested in, just so I could show him and be like, ha, I'm not the only one that wants this. Um, We've even thought and talked about creating a course on hustling together, hustling from the female's perspective of how do I make it so that it's something I feel like I can do and I can scale and I can grow and then hustling from the male's perspective so that you can get the male passion and aggressiveness in a good way and all of the good habits and take both sides of good things and put it into one thing. So there are these other courses that we've been talking about privately about doing together, but 
Outside of all of that, because again, we do everything together. If you have questions on marriage or long-term relationships or even long-term friendships, um, go ahead and send them to me. You can email them to me. You can send them to me on Facebook. You can send them to me in the Facebook group. You can go ahead and send them to me. Instagram, doesn't matter. Whatever is your easiest form of communication, go ahead and email, text me, DM me, whatever, whatever-ish me. And I will happily respond to you because I am so incredibly proud of this relationship that I have been a part of. I am so incredibly proud of the growth that has happened for being married for 13 years, for being in a relationship for 15 years. Like I, I am, I have been a Stevens longer, no, almost a couple more years. I have been a Stevens a couple more, couple years shy of longer than I was my maiden last name. So this relationship is something, and again, I, I don't mean to come across as perfect because I'm so not perfect. Ben and I argue, we have tiffs, we're human, we get peeved at each other, like these are all things, but I'm so incredibly proud of the relationship we have built. And if I could help anyone, I, I don't care when you're listening to this, whether it is listening to it in 2021 or it is 2031, I don't care. If you have a question, reach out to me. I will happily respond to you. So with that being said, let's go over some journal prompts and then I will let you get on with your day. So journal prompt number one is what areas of your relationship are rock solid and why? So our communication's rock solid. We have room for deep conversation. We do things that we can feel supported. Those are things that are rock solid. And obviously throughout this whole podcast, I've given you examples of my why. But that would be journal prompt number two. Write all that out. Communicate that to yourself. And maybe if you feel froggy, communicate it to your spouse. Now, journal prompt number two is going to be what areas are you a bit more shaky on and why is that? So again, I've talked about this in the episode, but the areas that I don't feel that I'm great at is showing physical affection, hugs, kisses, holding hands outside of work. I have gotten really lax about that. And I've, again, explained why. But I want you to go ahead and write all of that out because if you can identify it, then you can have a conversation about it and then possibly if you need to, you can change. So that's gonna be journal prompt number two. What areas are you a bit more shaky and why? And don't worry if you're not in a space where you can write these journal prompts down. Um, Depending on where you're listening to this, you should be able to click on the link in the show notes and it'll take you straight to the image that I'm creating for all the journal prompts. And then you can just go ahead and go off that. You can save it. You can do whatever, but at least it'll be very easy for you to to access. So journal prompt number three, what small daily steps are you willing to take to continue building a strong foundation? So we have set, we have set aside time to talk. We have set aside time to start making sure we eat dinner together at the kitchen table. You know, we've started doing all these little things that for us help build and help strengthen our relationship on the daily. And if you can't do daily, then do weekly, do monthly, do whatever timeline works for you. But what steps are you taking? Any tiny steps can you take that have this drastically, almost outlandish, overemphasized impact on your relationship. And then journal prompt number four is where can you release any bad habits or patterns when you're, so just like in, like I was telling you earlier in the episode, we don't threaten ever, 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 ever. Instead we say, I feel, I need, I desire, I want, I'm no longer available for. We use different language. So we don't threaten, um, 
We communicate when the other person is peeved. There's all these little things that I've talked about in the episode that we've released them and we no longer or released. We're both in the growth process of making it something that we don't do anymore. So you can kind of dive into that. And with these four journal prompts and listening to the pillars, whatever relationship, again, whether it is a marriage, a friendship, a co-workership, talking with your your community, doesn't matter. Whatever relationship you have, I promise you, if you actually do the journal prompts and you apply the pillars, then you will make that relationship go from like 100 to like 300 because they're going to feel so loved, so acknowledged, so supported, so desired, and you're also going to get your needs exact same time. And that is what I want you to do because that is what I've been able to do over the last 13 years. And just like I've said a million times, I'll say it a million times more, I would not change any moment, the good, the bad, the ugly, the everything in between. I would not change a moment of it for anything. You couldn't pay me enough. And there has been so much love and so much growth. And I would love for you to be able to have that same level of love and growth in your relationships as well. So congratulations. You made it through probably my longest podcast episode ever. And I will see you in the next one. Have a great one and happy communicating. Bye. Have a burning question for me? Want that link I was talking about? Get access to all the resources and links that were mentioned in this episode and others over at margaretstevens.co. And if you haven't, don't forget to sign up for my VIP list where I share special bonuses, pre-launch coupon codes, and advice I don't share anywhere else. Thanks for listening.